Alay, travelers, and welcome back to Astelian Tales. Tonight, you'll hear a tale of lust and destruction, of darkness and magic, of how one man's actions can lead his kingdom into ruin. A fair warning, travelers. This tale is not for the faint of heart, for it contains dark imagery not suitable for all. Your presenter tonight will weave you this Avalonian tale about the fall of the Blood King. Across Asthelia, there are many types of stories. Stories filled with magic, tragic beginnings leading to glorious endings, of betrayal, and ultimately about true love. There are also stories that do not have a happy ending at all, or at least that is what they want you to believe. It is in Ebalon that I will tell you a story, a story about a curse. But what is a curse? A curse can be defined by something that is meant to inflict harm or punishment on someone, but couldn't a curse also become a blessing? I guess it would depend on who you ask. I would ask you listeners whether this is a curse or a blessing in disguise. It was long ago, before the Dark War plagued the land. There was a castle deeply tucked away in the Rosendale Forest. But where exactly was this castle? Some say that the castle was located along the Eglin Ridge. Others claimed that it bordered the neighboring kingdom of Lunariel. All would agree, however, that the castle now lays in ruins, somewhere deep within the forest, ignored by the people and reclaimed by the forest. It was in this castle that a king once lived. Was he beloved by his people? Benevolent? Was he kind? The answers to all of this would be no. He was malicious and cruel. King Agni became a name that all would flinch in terror. He ruled with a cold heart and a colder fist. His gaze carried death within them, and everyone within the kingdom, and especially under the roof, knew that if he set a gaze on you for too long, then there was a good chance that blood would be spilt. The flow of blood and the screams carried on the wind became an everyday occurrence. It would first start from within his household. It was believed that these screams could be heard from the other side of the kingdom. They would even echo through the mountains and through the trees, bleeding into the surrounding villages. These screams were music to his ears. The high-pitched screams, the low guttural ones, even the bone-chilling shrieks that to some would be terrifying, but to him they were a symphony. It wasn't before long that King Agni decided that the screams of his household servants were just not enough. To him, they had lost their zeal. The song that he once enjoyed became dull, and he grew bored. Looking at a map of the kingdom, he wondered if he could regain his unique symphony back by using his people. His advisors were strongly against this, but they knew better than to speak up. The fear that he had on them gripped them tight, refusing to let go in fear of pain. Coming up with a plan, King Agni began his campaign. 
He traveled to the towns in the south, through the thick forest in the west, and followed the coastline to the north, all while leaving behind a trail of blood that would forever stain the ground. Entire towns were ransacked, burnt to the ground, and the screams that came from the people became a drug. It was bloody. Everything was filled with screams and darkness. This vile act of terror lasted for many moons. Towns and cities were destroyed. Smaller villages were laid to ruin. The people fled from their homes and into the forest, but to no avail. There was no place left that the people could be safe. Those that were lucky enough to escape told about unspeakable horrors that they witnessed to the neighboring kingdoms advising against ever visiting Ebalon. Near the end of his bloody campaign, King Agni started to think about his legacy and how it could possibly continue long after his death. He realized that he needed a successor to carry on his work. He wanted a son that would share in his delights and would continue this strange symphony of screams to create tapestries made of blood and would make the kingdom thrive from the blood of the innocents. However, he did not have a wife or even a mistress to bear him a son, for he had no need for them. It was only now did he realize his folly. His solution for an heir came with an appalling declaration. His declaration read that any and all remaining females, noble or peasant, of all ages must be brought to his household for an extended amount of time. If the women were not of bearing age, they will be raised within the halls to be prepared for the king, and those who were too old were to care for those who were too young. Any village, town, or city who withholds any female would be severely punished. All remaining villages heeded King Agni's warning, and it wasn't long that every girl, woman, and crone arrived at his castle. The halls were filled with tears and whimpers as the girls and the crones were placed within rooms far from the king. The women that were able to bear him children were separated and placed within large rooms. Every single one of them were given revealing clothing, and the implications were clear. If they lived within this chamber, then they would become concubines with only one role. Provide the king with a male heir. When the first round of expected mothers gave birth, the king was furious. How dare the women refuse their roles of giving him a son and instead provided him with just daughters. In his rage, he punished the women, forcing the younger generation to bear witness of what he would do if they too fail him. After these sessions, the younger girls were ushered away as the king forcibly impregnated the women again, this time leaving the women with a warning about what would happen to them if they failed him again. This brutal treatment lasted for five years, years of screams and blood, of terror and dismay. The king grew desperate, as he was getting no closer to getting a son. In his impatience, he ordered his soldiers to scout out Ebalon's borders, being careful to not get caught in either of the kingdoms that surrounded his. His soldiers were given a single order, 
do not return to the castle unless it was to bring back a woman from what he calls their scouting trips. They were not to touch them, but to bring them to him so that he could add more to his collection. It was during one of these scouting trips in the Rosendale Forest that one of the soldiers caught sight of a beautiful woman. Lithe in form, she had hair as black as ebony that flowed with the wind and skin that shone underneath the moonlight. This mysterious woman was not afraid in the night. She strolled through the forest with confidence, as if she alone was the mistress of the forest. Her confidence and her looks gave her the appearance that she was a creature sent down from Divinia. However, as soon as the soldiers stepped forward to apprehend her, she vanished within the mist. Determined to capture the woman for his king, the soldier retreated towards his men and recounted his encounter. With a small party, the soldier and his men returned to the forest and continued to hunt down this elusive woman. This hunt lasted for many nights, for she never appeared to them during the daylight hours, and it forced the men to search for her in the dead of night. Those who have seen the woman regaled the tales of her beauty and of how it seemed that she was not of this realm. Those who encountered her seemed to be injured and forced many soldiers back to camp. Eventually, word was sent back to the king about this mysterious woman. He became entranced by her description, and he demanded that she be found and brought back to the castle. Upon hearing that the small party wasn't able to find this woman, he called back his soldiers from their own scouting missions and ordered them to the Rosendale Forest to aid his men in capturing this one woman. It wasn't before long that nearly every member of his army was sent into the forest to look for this woman. It was spring before they were able to claim victory. The mysterious woman made a simple mistake, one that she would never be able to take back. During the late evening, when the moon was full, the soldiers found the woman bathing in a small pond. Her skin illuminated in the center of the pond, making her a beacon or a guiding light for the soldiers to follow. Disregarding her predicament, the guards were able to grab the woman as she exited the pond. She was quick, but not quick enough to flee into the forest. Instead, she was bound at the wrist with rope, and the head soldier wrapped her up with her discarded black cloak, keeping her nakedness from distracting the men. It took the men a full day to return to the castle. The entire time, the men sneered and made many inappropriate gestures toward the woman. All the while, she never spoke or even acknowledged them. After a while, the men grew tired with her silence and was glad to see the castle in sight. Upon their return, the commander brought the woman before the king, disrobing her completely. King Agni, enamored by the sheer ethereal beauty of the woman, gazed upon her naked body, the lust in his eyes, apparent to all, and scent of arousal filled the chamber. Not wanting to waste any time with words, the king took a hold of the robe that bound the woman and led her deep into his chamber, not noticing the lack of struggle coming from her, nor the lack of fear in her eyes. In the confines of his chamber, 
He ravished the woman like a beast in rut, and after many nights she became pregnant. Upon her impregnation, the woman tended to the other concubines and the other women that were trapped within the halls of the castle. All the while, she remained silent, showing comfort and reassurance with her actions, as words could be twisted and misconstrued. It is easier to lie with words than with actions, and in their situation, no one wanted the sweet lies. In the many moons that passed, the woman showed with her actions of her kind nature. During the day, she could be found among the crones and aided them in the care of the children, rising their spirits and showing kindness that they haven't seen in years. In the afternoons, she could be found with the concubines, tending to their wounds and helping with their pregnancies. In the evenings, when many were asleep, she tendered to the injuries of the king's staff, who ended up getting the brunt of his attacks while he resided within the castle. Many of the king's staff would step between him and the children, for they knew that if the king attacked the children, they would be little hope that the children would survive. It did not take long for everyone living within the castle to grow fond of the silent woman, who remained nameless. During these many months, the swell of her belly grew. It got harder to move between the many chambers, but that did not stop her. Many of the handmaidens and servants would often aid her in her movement, for everyone loved her and didn't want her to become idle. For her kindness and gentleness was something that they wanted to keep alive within the bleak halls. With all the servants' attention on the silent woman, none of them realized that King Agni grew ill. It first started with a cough, something that can be contributed to just the dust. As the days passed, he grew lethargic, retreating to his rooms earlier than normal, and his appetite was lacking. The onset of symptoms was steady in their slow pass, that no one thought anything about it. Mild treatments would work for a short time, and he was constantly having to either up the dosage or sleep it off. None of the servants minded the illness that seemed to hang around King Agni, for it meant that the torture and beatings decreased in both frequencies and severity. It was during the last month of the silent woman's pregnancy that she slipped quietly out of the concubine's chambers and walked toward the king's room. Reaching the door, she gently opened it, her movement so soft that the wood didn't creak and the hinges didn't squeak under its movement. Upon entering, she glided toward the king's ornate bed and stood at its side, glaring at what she considered to be more of a monster than a king. King Agni awoke from his light slumber to find his recent mistress watching him. He couldn't shake the feeling of dread that washed over him as he looked into the woman's eyes, eyes that were filled with malice and a promise of retribution. With parched lips, he tried to speak, however, found himself not able to produce a sound. Not even the smallest of whimpers could be made. His eyes widened with shock as he tried multiple times, but nothing changed. The woman found comfort in the king's predicament and just smiled. Not a light-hearted one that she would give to the other occupants of the castle, but one that was dark and dangerous. 
She then began to laugh. Despite the sense of danger, King Agni thought that her laugh was beautiful, for it reminded him of the chimes of the small bells. He stared at her, entranced by the sound. Not only was it magnificent, but it was the first sound he has ever heard from the woman. All the while she laughed, her hand gently rested on the swell of her belly that held the king's babe and stroked it softly. The malice of her eyes softened a bit as she gazed at her swell, but those same eyes hardened when she gazed back at the king. King Agni noticed that as she stroked her swollen belly, he felt weaker. He realized then that there was something off about this woman, for when she stopped her motions, he felt somewhat stronger, although not by much. It was then that the woman spoke in a voice that put all the harps to shame. It was musical, whimsical even, and soft, but there was a strength that contradicted the tone of voice. It was the first time that she has ever spoken since arriving at the castle, and the words she spoke were ones that King Agni did not expect to hear. If you cannot tell by now, sire, the deterioration of your health is caused by the babe within my womb. The weaker you get, the stronger he becomes. Yes, I say he, for you shall have the son you've always desired, however, at a cost. Your life for his. As these words left her mouth, she smirked and didn't bother to continue her monologue as she watched the fear show in the king's eyes as her words sunk in. She laughed at his fear and rejoiced in his suffering. That is not all, your majesty. She spat out as she addressed him as such, with as much vile and despise that she could muster. The king recoiled at her statement, not having the energy to do anything else. That sense of foreboding that he felt earlier grew stronger by the second. As much as you are fair and lovely at the surface, you are hideous and monstrous inside. Your son shall be cursed. From the moment he is born, he'll be transformed from something beautiful into that of a hideous creature that manifests from your cold heart. You may ask, what have you done to deserve this punishment? But the question should be, what haven't you done? All the torture and pillaging of the villages and the suffering done by your hands were heinous enough, but the severity of these do not warrant the curse. No, the worst of your crimes comes from the deflowering of one of Nydia's children. It is with these words that the king's fear grew. He didn't realize that the woman in front of him was from the temple that lay deep within the woods, far from his territorial claim. Even he knew that taking one of Nydia's children was forbidden, and death would default to any male to sire a child with one of them. He snapped himself out of his stupor and continued to stare at the woman. Finding himself able to speak once again, he asked for the name of the woman, the only words he has ever spoken to her since her arrival. Her answer solidified the nails to his coffin. Lucinda Blackwood, High Priestess to Nydia, Mother of Life and Your Death. After her answer, the king fell into a deep sleep and did not wake until the sun was high in the sky, signifying high noon. 
Not having the strength to call out a warning about the black-haired woman, he heard another woman going into labor and feared for his life. Fortunately for him, he found himself alive at the sound of the babe's cry. The king stayed in this state of fear until the rise of the new moon. When he noticed that his servants were bustling around, as if another one from his harem were about to give birth. He knew, as he felt his health slipping through his fingers, that his death was coming, and he waited patiently until he heard the cry of a babe, just as twilight hit. He passed, hearing the sound of his maids screaming in sheer fright that echoed throughout the castle, for what was born was a beast. So ends the bloody reign of King Agni, who will forever be known as the Blood King and the last king of Ebalon. Due to his misdeeds, the people grew weary of any male from his line and refused to have another king take over. Following his death, the rule over Ebalon shifted to one of his daughters, who was as sweet and kind as he was cruel. Many of his daughters became ladies of the land, and would work together with the elected queen and help aid the recovery of the land. I said in the beginning that I would ask, was this a curse or a blessing? To the king, and unfortunately to his son, this was a curse. For an innocent child suffered at the hands of his mother and father, and it was a fate worse than death. For the people who suffered at the blood king's hands, this curse was a blessing for it ushered a new era of peace throughout the kingdom, and they can now live without fear. But you may ask, what about the boy? Whatever happened to him? Well, my dear listeners, that is a tale for another time. Allez, travelers! It's Phelan Wolfthorn, and with me is Sitar of Lattice. We thank you for listening to tonight's production of Astelian Tales. For more information, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Astelian Bards, or visit us at TravelsThroughAstelia.com if you wish to dive deeper into the stories and learn more about our great land. We ask that you leave feedback and contact us if you want to learn more about a certain tale or topic, and we will discuss these queries during Astelian Tales behind the tale. We are always looking to improve, and your feedback may prove invaluable in this venture. Thank you for tuning in, and we bid you all a great day and safe travels.